that the Apostle John was writing an introduction in those first you know, 20 verses or so that really encapsulates everything that he says throughout his book. It's a summary of what he's going to say. And when we come to Jesus as the light of the world, there are so many things we're going to unpack today that you already hear talked about in John chapter 1. Let's look at it again in John chapter 1. John says this talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. He's talking about Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And look at how John right here gets into a rhythm of light and life. Light and life. He says, in Him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So we're five verses in and he's already talking about Jesus as the light of the world. Do you see this? Say yes. Then he talks about John. He says, there was a man from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness testifying concerning that light so that through Jesus all might believe. John was not the light, right? He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then John tells us uh, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own and his own did not receive him. He's talking about the Jewish people that Jesus has all these tug of wars with all throughout the book of John. And this, these battles that we'll see here in, in John chapter 7 this morning. And the very people who should have seen him didn't receive him. Yet, John says, this is the good news, yet to all who do receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then he gives us that incredible text, verse 14, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. He's saying, I saw this, y'all. I am testifying, I saw Jesus, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in those few 14 verses, Jesus is, uh, John rather has already unpacked the Trinity. He's, he's unpacked that Jesus is the Word, that Jesus was there at the beginning. And uh, he's telling us that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And if you'll remember our Christmas series, The Word Became Flesh, we talked about in December that when he said the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, he was saying he literally, the, the, he, the, 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 um, the Greek of that word dwelt is tabernacled, that he literally lived among us, and that's what we have recorded in the Gospels. Now, to understand, so that, that kind of sets up the whole book, but to understand John 8, 12, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, we need to know what happened in John chapter 7. And in John chapter 7, the Bible says there is a feast that is going on at that time. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now stay with me, okay? Because if you get this, it's really going really to mean even more to you. So the Feast of Tabernacles was one of three feasts that the Jewish people had been commanded by God to observe Going all the way back to Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, the feasts are coming up on the screen. There's the Feast of Unleavened, Unleavened Bread, which we know as Passover. We'll celebrate that here in a few weeks as we head to Easter. And that, that always happens in the spring. 
Seven weeks later, there's the Feast of Weeks, which we know as Pentecost, okay? The Feast of Pentecost. And then in the, in the fall of the year, mid-October, mid-September, they would celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, which the Jewish people today call Sukkot. And, and all of these three feasts happened around the time of year when there was different harvests that were going on. But they all were intended for the Jewish people to use to look back at their history and remember something specific that God had done for them. Okay? Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. All right, so now, now at the Feast of Tabernacles, this is what this feast was about. And this is the feast that's going on in John chapter 7. They celebrated this feast, and, and the name and how, why they do it is right there, Tabernacles, because they were remembering how God took them out of Egypt and delivered them into uh, the, the wilderness and how for, for 40 years God protected them and watched over them and they had to build temporary shelters through those years. And this feast, they actually, the Jewish people still do this today, they build these temporary shelters. They'll build them on the top of their house or they'll build them in the back of their, their, their yard. It's almost like camping out. And, and look at this on the screen. This is a picture of one. It's, uh, it's kind of, there, there's three sides. One side's open. They'll put branches and stuff on the top. And they'll live out there. The idea is you, you move out of wherever you live and you live in this little, this little temporary shelter for a week. And as you do that, you are, mem- you are remembering and commemorating what God did when he brought his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. And, and it also reminds them when they think about tabernacles that in the middle of those, those places where, where they would camp, there was the tabernacle of God where the presence of God was. And so this is a reminder that I dwelled with them then and I dwell with you now. Okay? So at the time, this feast is going on. So people have built, it's in that seven, in that one week period where people have built these little makeshift shelters all around Jerusalem. Now there's two other things that are going on in this time that's very important for us to understand. One of them is a practice that the priest would do every day during the Feast of Tabernacles. They would go from the, uh, from the temple down to the pool of Siloam and they would take a, a golden pitcher and look at this picture. They would take a golden pitcher. They would get water from the pool of Siloam which was a, a spring of fresh water that was fed by the, by the Gihon River and, uh, and by the Gihon Spring rather. And they would take water from this, this fresh spring and they would go back to the temple and they would pour it out on the altar. They would do this every day of the seven days during that practice. Now, another thing that they would do is there's a court inside the temple called the Court of Women. And there were these four gigantic candelabras that the young Levite boys would climb up. There was oil in the top of the candelabras. And at the beginning of day one of the Feast of Tabernacles, they would light these four candelabras. And it is said that the light was so bright from these candelabras that they would shine throughout the entire city that no matter where you were in Jerusalem you could get some of the light from these candelabras and those, and those lights because they are uh, this, this whole thing is remembering how God brought them out of Egypt and into the wilderness that light reminds them that God led them out by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of 
fire by night, okay? So there's a lot of symbolism here that's going on. It's in all this symbolism that you turn to John chapter 7. And at the beginning of John chapter 7, Jesus is back in Galilee. And his brothers say, hey Jesus, why don't you go down to the feast of festival of tabernacles this week and do a few more miracles? Why don't you just build your, they literally tell him, build your popularity. You know, get more followers, we would say today. Go and do some miracles and get some more eyes on who you are. And Jesus looked at his brothers. These were the other sons of Mary and Joseph. And he says, Guys, it's just not time for that. I've not come for that type of attention. So they go on to the feast. Jesus also goes, but he goes undercover. And everybody's talking in John chapter 7 and wondering if Jesus is going to show up and wondering if they're going to hear from him. And, and Jesus does show up about halfway through the feast. Jesus shows up and he starts teaching and preaching in the temple. And as he's teaching and preaching, now there's a lot of controversy. You, you read it in John chapter 7 and, and they're all wondering, you know, is he really the Messiah? And the religious leaders are getting upset. And they even, the religious leaders at this point even hire and get their, their chief priests, the guards, they get them ready to go arrest Jesus. The very thing they would do the night before he goes to the cross. They send them in John chapter 7 to arrest him. And they arrive on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And your Bible says that in John chapter 7, Jesus stands up on the last day of the festival. And on these, for seven days they've been watching people take, they've been watching the priests take this water from a spring and pour it in the altar. And Jesus stands up. In John chapter 7, and he looks at them and he says, If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink, for out of his bellies will flow rivers of living water. So they're seeing this, this water thing go on. And Jesus says, you're looking at this water thing that's going on, but if you'll drink from me, you'll never be thirsty again. Isn't that pretty amazing, that connection that Jesus makes? And John tells us, little little you know, byproduct there in the next line, he says, by the way, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, which had not yet come yet. And, and, and John's writing this knowing we know how that all went down in Acts chapter 2. Then when you get to John chapter 8, okay, you still with me? Say I'm with you. Even if you're not, just pretend like you're with me, okay? You can go back and listen to it. Listen to it again later. John chapter 8, Jesus stands up, okay, and he's back in the temple. Now the feast is now over. Which means that those giant, this is, this is day eight, the feast is over, and the giant candelabras are out. And Jesus stands up in John 8, 12 and says, I am the light of the world. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Those, those big candelabras that you just had up, I mean, they're pretty cool. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He was also wanting them to not only hear that, but he wanted them to understand that he had a connection that, that, this, that they're commemorating by these, these lights and these, these massive balls of fire that would light up the night that would remind them of that cloud, that pillar of, of, uh, of fire that they followed. He's like, hey, that was me too. So the lead up to John Chapter 8, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, it starts back in John chapter 1. And what Jesus wanted his audience to know is this. 
Jesus wanted his audience to connect their traditions to his identity. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning. They have these certain traditions of setting up makeshift shelters. They have these certain traditions of bringing water from the pool and pouring it out at the altar. They have these certain traditions of lighting up the fire on these giant candelabras for seven days. And Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I want you to know something. All these traditions that have been put in place by my father were there for one reason. They're there to point to me. I am the tabernacle. I am that shelter. I am going to live with you and give you daily bread, as we said last week. I am the living water. You don't have to just have fresh water on the seven days of this festival. You can have fresh water from me every single day. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. When those lights go out, he steps up and says, you can look at me. I am the light of the world. Jesus wanted them to know all these things that you've been doing, they all point to me. That's powerful. Isn't that good? Then we've got the lead up. Then we've got the look up. Now I'm just going to preach the exact same thing I did last week right here. Because once again, at this point, Jesus wants them, when he says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. When he says I am, they want them, he wants them to hear, oh, I am capital I am. He wants them to think back to Exodus 3 14 when God said to Moses I am who I am this is what you are to say to the Israelites I am has sent me to you. Jesus wants them to hear it and be like "Uh oh he's talking about God. He's making this connection this I am connection because we know that when God spoke that to Moses he was revealing something about himself that they had not heard before as I am as Jehovah as capital L-O-R-D as Yahweh he would be the relational God look at it on the screen the personal God this is a, a God that that I am speaks to Moses and says, from now on, Moses, you're going to know me in a very personal way. And Jesus comes along with these I am statements, and he says, you're about to get to know me in a personal way. So I'm going to give you everyday, relatable, personal examples so that you can know that I am an everyday, relatable, personal God that you can connect with. And just like you heard my father say I am who I am I'm going to unpack to you some I am's that will allow you to connect with who I am he says I am the bread of life I am the light of the world I am the door of the sheep I am the good shepherd I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And as we said last week, look at it. Jesus uses everyday nouns like bread and light and door and, and shepherd and vine so that normal everyday people who may not be able to wrap their brain around I am that I am, Jesus comes along in the flesh and says, this is what a walking, talking, living, breathing God looks like. I'm bread, I'm light, I'm a door, I'm a shepherd, I'm the true vine. Jesus wanted them to look up and he wanted his audience to know he was from 
God. So we've got the lead up, we've got the look up, and then we come to the light up. You know, that one didn't take me very long to figure out that L, right? It was right there waiting for me. He says in John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So this theme of light and life is one that we see all throughout Scripture. So Jesus comes along, and as we said, he's going to unpack for us some new ways that we can see him and understand who he is. Last week, we looked at what? The bread of life, okay? So we've already unpacked this, and just so you, uh, you know, keep you... Keep you guys hungry. There's some bread, all right? And then Jesus comes along and he says, not only am I the, the bread of life, I am the light of the world. And he's going he's gonna to give us some examples here for how he is the light of the world. So what does light do and what does Jesus as the light of the world do? Jesus comes along and he says, as the light of the world, I will drive out darkness. As the light of the world, the light of the world exposes our sinfulness. The light of the world directs our paths. It shines through us and it leads us to life. So for the rest of our time together this morning, let's take those five things and let's unpack them specifically of how all throughout Scripture, everything leads up to this moment all these conversations about light and life, okay? Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Okay, so first of all, as the light of the world, Jesus says, the light of the world drives out darkness. Now listen to what he says. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, watch this, you won't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to walk in darkness if you follow Jesus because I am the light of the world. Now, if you connect the dots to what John tells us in John chapter 1, where he says, In the beginning was God, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and we know he's talking about Jesus, and we rewind all the way back to the first five verses of the Bible. Look at what the scripture says In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and somebody help me. And what? Darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. Then God said, say it with me, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was what? Good. And he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness night, and evening passed and morning came, and marking the first day. I want you to see something this morning, church, that the first recorded words of Elohim, the Creator God, was let there be light. His first words drove out darkness and placed light into place. And he's been doing it ever since. Amen. God's first action is for light to overtake darkness. 
Oh, can, can I say that again? God's first recorded action was for light to overtake darkness. No wonder John connects the dots and talks about light and 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 life and light and life over and over and over. And then you start reading. I'm not going to give you all the ones I found because we'd be here till Christmas. But I love what David says. We know David has an intimate relationship with, with Yahweh. And he says about Yahweh, the capital L-O-R-D, the covenant name of God in Psalm 27.1, he says, Yahweh the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is my, help me, he's my light, he's my salvation. So listen somebody, if the Lord is my light, if the Lord is my salvation, then why should I be afraid? What do I have to fear? The Lord is my fortress. I stand strong under the Lord. He protects me from danger. So what do I have to tremble or be fearful of? Man, it looks like David already tapped in to this light concept we find in Scripture. And then we go over to John chapter 5. I'm sorry, John chapter 1 verse 5. And John says, the light shines in the darkness. Oh my goodness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Wow. Jesus wanted his audience to understand the power and the purpose of the light of the world. So the light of the world drives out darkness. Secondly, the light of the world exposes our sinfulness. Jesus spoke to the people again. Look at it. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. The light of the world exposes our sinfulness. The darkness of our sin. Anybody remember when you lived in a dark place away from God. Anybody remember the hopelessness being separated from God? We don't have to walk in that type of darkness and hopelessness. We don't have to walk in worry and fear and anxiety because when we expose ourselves to the light, we don't have to walk in darkness. The light comes in, and whenever I, I, how do I get the light? Right here, you're getting the light right now. You're hearing the word. When you sing worship songs, you're exposing, getting the light in. I, I don't know about you, but there's just something that happens when my soul feels burdened and overwhelmed. Whenever I open up this book, or I cut on some worship music, or I begin to meditate on the things of God, it's like the dark cloud that's kind of rolled in over my mind and my spirit, and and. And the worries in my heart, it's like it just is eradicated in the light of God's word. You don't have to walk in darkness because light comes in and it exposes those things through the word and through worship and through prayer and through accountability and through fellowship. So let me tell you something. As you get closer, listen to me, lean in. As you get closer to the light, as you get closer to God, as you get closer to Jesus in worship, don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit doesn't expose some more ugly that you still have on the inside. Does anybody know that that's true? 
been serving God five minutes or 50 years, they're still ugly on the inside. There's still stuff that, that we live in a sinful world and we're part of a fallen creation. But whenever I get in the Word, and more than that, my goodness, the Word gets inside of me. It exposes my sinfulness and should drive me to a place to where I, I don't try to hide my sin in the dark, but I pull it out into the light and allow God to be able to minister to me in that moment. Listen to what John says in John chapter 3. We know for God so loved the world. We can, we can quote it without even thinking about it. But listen to what Jesus says to Nicodemus in verse 19. He says, this is the verdict, Nicodemus. Light has come into this world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth, look at this, comes into the light. When you live by the truth of God, you come into the light so it may be seen plainly that what they have, that what they have has been done in the sight of of God, the light of the world exposes our sinfulness, but y'all watch this. It doesn't leave us that way. In John chapter 8, nestled between the Feast of Tabernacles, seven days, and eighth day when Jesus makes this proclamation, I am the light of the world, is a story that fits right at the beginning of John chapter 8, the story of a woman caught in adultery. The religious leaders found her in bed with another man and drug her into the temple courts in the middle of Jesus' teaching. What would you think right now if, 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 a, uh, if a prostitute was drugged by her hair and head into this room right now and thrown into this room in the middle of service? That's what was going on in that moment. And they're trying to trap Jesus in that moment. But Jesus, you know the story. If you don't read it, I'm not going to unpack the whole thing in John 8. But he looks at her and he looks at them and he, they're waiting. And he says, look, he who is without sin cast the first stone. They're all standing there ready to stone him. And your Bible says that the oldest one's first. Because how many of you know the older you are, the more you know you've got skeletons and junk and mess in your past. And the old folks, the older guys, the, the experienced folks said, I can't throw anything because I know everything that I've done and everything I've been through. And slowly, one by one, they walked away. Her sinfulness was exposed into the light. But what did Jesus say? Did he kick her while she was down? He leans in at her and he says to her, Has no one condemned you? Where are they? And she said, No one, sir. And he says, Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. When our sin, see, so many times we're so afraid to pull our sins out and into the light. But when we pull them out into the light, Jesus promises to minister to us with love 
and grace and mercy. Somebody come on this morning and, and lift us up and not leave us down in the dirt where the world and religion, see that's religion. Religion wants to take your sin and drag it in front of God and say, what are you going to do? But relationship says, oh, I am the light of the world and I'm the bread of life and you've been eating on a lot of other things for a long time, young lady, but now you can feast on me. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Don't be afraid to take those things that are in the dark and pull them out in the light. Paul said in Ephesians, everything. Somebody say everything. Everything exposed from the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. God can use those things <laughs> I think about people's testimonies. They get those things out into the light and God used those very things that were tucked away in a corner to bring him glory. Amen. Peter says, if you do not live like that, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you what? Out of darkness and into his wonderful light. John says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all sin. Don't hang on to that sin. Get it in the light. Get it under the blood and allow God to restore you and make that relationship pure and holy with him. Jesus wanted his audience to understand his power and his purpose as the light of the world. Number three, what does the light do? It, it drives out darkness. It exposes our sinfulness. It directs our paths. Go back to it again, John 8, 12. If you follow me, okay, now Jesus is now giving us direction. He's saying, if you'll come behind me, if you'll follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because we're going somewhere. Somebody say, I'm going somewhere. Look at this. Because you'll have the light that leads to life. What, is a, what does a flashlight do? A flashlight... A flashlight gets out ahead of you. Look at all the men. You're like, oh my goodness, I like that. Where'd you get that? A flashlight goes ahead of me, right? The, the, the headlight on your car, some of y'all like, this is like those, those new headlights that you run into on the road. You're like, you know what I'm talking about? But what does a flashlight do? That light is where? It, it's ahead of me. It does no good if it's behind me. But if I'm walking in the woods or I'm, I'm walking in a, in, a, in a dark park or in a dark place, and I know we try to use our cell phones, but that, that's pretty pathetic, right, compared, compared to this baby, all right? But this thing gets out ahead of me, and it leads me. And it's the same principle that Jesus is, is talking about here. Look at what he says, okay? Not what he says. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. In Exodus chapter 13, let's, go, let's remind ourselves what we talked about a while ago. The Lord went ahead of them. Where? How? Ahead of them. In a pillar of cloud to do what? To guide them on their way. And by not in a pillar of fire to give them what? Light. So that they could travel. So God's been leading his people by light for thousands of years. This is just what he does. 
The psalmist comes along in Psalms 119 and says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So the word gets out there ahead of me and it leads me and tells me where I need to go. Anybody ever been seeking for direction for your life or your family and you found it when you got in the word and you allowed it to go ahead of you and it led you exactly where you needed to go? Anybody ever had that happen to you? I've had it happen to me multiple times in my life. When I try to figure it out on my own, and I'm trying to do it on my own, it, I, it gets further and further in a mess. But when I start giving it to God, and I get the word and prayer out on a, ahead of me, look at what the next verse says. The teaching of your word gives what? Light, so that even the simple can understand. This is not rocket science, y'all. Get the word in your life. Get the word out in front of your life. And the word will direct your path. If there's any area in your life, listen to me church, where you need direction. You need to know who to marry. You need to know who to date. You need to know about a business decision. You need to know about how or when to, to sell your house. Or you've got decisions with your family. Or you don't know the next step you should take in a situation. You need to plant yourself. Don't move another muscle until you get in the Word. And then the Word gets in you and gets ahead of you. And shows you and tells you where to go. Anybody besides me ever seen this happen in your life? Anybody ever done the opposite and not gotten into the Word and gotten ahead of the Word and made a mess of a situation because you didn't pray about it, you didn't read about it, you didn't put the light out in front, right? Amen. So the light drives out the darkness. It exposes our sinfulness. It directs our paths. Here's the next thing it does. It shines through us. There's an amazing statement that Jesus makes in light of what we're talking about this morning. When he says, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. In Matthew chapter 5, listen to what Jesus says during the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. What? You are the light of the world, Jesus said. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people, put, uh, people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. When you get me in your life and you begin to follow me, then that light that I am gets inside of you and then you're lighting other people up everywhere you go. How many of you know we live in a dark world and it's just getting darker it is more important than ever that we shine our light Paul said it like this in Ephesians for once you were full of darkness anybody remember when you used to be full of darkness full of darkness in your spirit and in your thoughts and in your purpose and in your decisions but now you have what light from the Lord, so live as people of light. Don't live like the rest of the world. Live like there's a change that's taking place in you. In Philippians, Paul says, do everything. Oh boy, this is a tough verse, ain't it? 
Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Anybody looking around lately? Do we live in a world full of crooked and perverse people? Is our culture here in the United States becoming more godless every week? It seems like it. You know what that means? That means I need, to, I need to crank up if I had an old Coleman lamp like we would take camping. I, I'd use this illustration right now, but I can't do that in here because then we'd all be asphyxiated and they'd think we had a cult going on. They'd find us with our shoes and passed out. But if I had a Coleman lamp, you know what old Coleman lamp can do, right? You turn it and it gets brighter, okay? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's in these times, y'all. We can't turn our light down and just huddle here and just get all our lights together. We're called in crooked and perverse days to shine like bright lights. There's somebody in your family. There's somebody on your job. There's somebody, a lot of people at Walmart, who need the light that you have inside of you. Amen? In, in less than two months, we're going to have a, a day that you've heard us talk about Sunday, May the 15th, Love Your City Sunday. We're going to take our light from in here and we're going to get it out in the community. And instead of having church, we're going to be the church that day. And we're going to get out together and we're going to serve our community. And every week, more and more opportunities are coming together for us to go out and serve. And if you've not registered, quick commercial. A lot of you registered last week. Make sure you do. So we've said that the light of the world drives out darkness. It exposes our sinfulness. It directs our paths. It shines through us. As you guys give me some background music, here's the last thing it does. It leads to life. Okay? Y'all ready for this one? Life and light. Life and light. They're married all throughout the book of John. Let's look at it again. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. John said this in chapter 1, verse 4. He said, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So life and light, life and light. What is he saying to us? Jesus said, in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to keep you in the dark. But I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus comes so we can have a blessed life here, a good life here. Even in the bad, we can still see that God works all things for the good of those who love him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I can have life and life more abundantly, but this is not the end. Somebody say praise the Lord. This isn't it, y'all. Man, I, I look at the agenda of our culture today and how it's just being forced on us in so many different ways. And I, and I get frustrated and I want to get angry. And then I have to remember, this world is not my home. I am, I am a temporary resident. 
I am, oh my goodness, I, I thank you, Lord, it just hit me. I live in a temporary shelter, just like Jesus did. And that light that he brought is a light that lives inside of me so that one day I can go live in eternity with him. Y'all want to see something real good? Oh, I can't wait to show you this. This is so good. Revelation 21. John, we're still, it's John, y'all. Jesus used John to communicate this life and light thing, y'all. And John says, at the end of the book, I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon. For the glory of God illuminates the city. And the Lamb is its light. Let that sit for a moment. We used to sing a song, man, back in the day. We'll need no light in the city that John saw coming down. For Jesus will be there. His glory will abound. Hmm. The first words that your Bible records that Jesus said, that God said, Elohim, let there be light. And the last recorded words of Jesus, oh, y'all gonna like this. Revelation chapter 22, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. There it is, I am. There's another I am statement. There's eight. I got another week. I just found that. I am the root. I am the offspring of David. Y'all look at this. I am the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, Come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift, hallelujah, the free gift of the water of life. It sounds like Jesus is echoing what he said in John 6, I'm the bread of life. In John 7, I am the living water. And in John 8, I am the light of the world. Jesus wanted his audience to connect their traditions with his identity. Jesus wanted his audience to know he was from God. And Jesus wanted his audience to understand the power and the purpose as the light of the world. Let's stand together this morning. The worship team comes in and gets ready to lead us as we come to the end this morning. We've said today that light drives out darkness. It exposes our sinfulness. It directs our paths. It it shines through us. It leads to life. And so I want to ask you this morning as you look at that, as you look at that screen this morning, what do you need? Is there an area in your life where you need Jesus as the light of the world? 
to shine his light into your situation. If you're overwhelmed today with darkness in your thinking and in your spirit, and you, you may be somebody who's followed the Lord for years. There's just this cloud over you today. Don't walk out of here the same way. Receive the light that gives light and drives out darkness. Don't keep hiding that sin. It's eventually going to come out. If you bring it out into the light, allow Jesus to deal mercifully and gracefully with you today. Do you need direction for an area in your life? The Lord says, I'll direct your path. I'll let you know what to do about that situation, about that relationship, about that circumstance. We all should be carrying this light with us that everywhere we go and everything we do, people look at us and are like, there's something different. There's something different about them. I don't know what it is. There's something different about them. We, somebody was telling a story the other night, the men's thing. Um, the men's fellowship Friday night and a guy was telling a story about how he, he had been hanging out there was a guy who was working on his job and he said for, for weeks he just he had all this energy and he had he had so much joy he said I, and I kept being around him and I was like man there's something different about that guy and he said when I got to know him I realized found out he was a Christian and, he, and, he, and this guy who was telling the story was too and he said I was like well okay it makes sense that's how our lives should be and this light that we're talking about today, it's not just for things of this life, one through four. It's for eternal life. That this is not the end. That we have life promised to us with Jesus for all eternity. How many of you have a situation today? I want to pray with you today, and I'm going to invite you to come to the altar this morning. We'll take some time to do this today. If you've got a situation that connects with any of the things we've talked about today and you would like for us to join with you in prayer and you've got a situation that you need God's light to invade and minister into a situation in your life will you come right now and, and, I'll, and I want us to take a few minutes and pray together they're going to lead us in, in worship here in just a second but, but who will be the first person to come today because the first one who comes then there will be many more so who's the first one who's going to come today and say I got a situation that I just want you to agree with me in prayer about because I'm going through a, some type of dark situation and, and I want you to agree with me in prayer today anybody, anybody else this morning something that that you would like for us to agree with you in prayer today on. I want to ask any of our staff, leadership team, council, or anybody else today who wants to come. Let's have somebody behind everybody today. Will you come and find somebody to stand with today and let's pray together this morning and let's believe that God's going to move in these situations today. Amen. Guys, lead us in worship. And as you do, let's sing and worship together. And we're going to invite God to move in every one of these situations today. And oh, run into yours. I'll run into yours. The riches of your love will always be enough.
nothing compares to your embrace light of the world and oh I'm running to your arms I'm running to your arms the riches of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your
just wait for all to see you are light you are light when the darkness closes in you are hope you are hope you have covered all my sins I'm singing you are good you are good you are good when there's nothing good in me you are love you are love on this way for all to see you are light you are light when the darkness closes in you are hope you are hope you have covered all my sins sing this chorus one last time today, God, for what you've spoken to us. We thank you, Lord, today in advance that the answer to all the prayers, Lord, all the different things, God, that are represented in this room today are coming. And we pray that this week, Lord, as we get back into our world, Lord, that you would fill us up with you, that we would follow you as we've learned today, God, that we would be led by the light of the world, that we would walk in light we would walk with life and vitality full of the Holy Spirit. And God, you would use us to be examples and your witnesses to those around us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in this house today. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in worship today. We'll see you back Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for Family Ministries Night. Have a great afternoon.
Seven. Seven.